Welcome to the Pilgrim's Digress, here in the working church office with the sound of some kind of machinery going on in the next room. It just makes it feel more alive. Homey. Yeah, yeah. It, feels, it feels more homey, homie. <laughs> and uh, I'm here with my homie, uh, Mr. Sagacity, and I am the Reverend Bartles, Ooh. Ooh, which is not, you know, any guarantor of... Um, any kind of merit or righteousness or even not being a dirtbag, as we're going to see as we dip in further into <laughs> anybody in the... Any, anytime a minister is mentioned in the Pilgrim's Progress, five will get you ten. He's not great. Um, we have an unusual uh, chapter this time. It is uh, called Vignettes Part 1. I got another one with more vignettes coming uh, about two-thirds of the way through the... The, the deal here. We're about a third of the way through the, the story of Christian. Uh, and then the next uh, season, if you will, will be Christiana. Uh, we'll probably have a little gap in between there. So Christian is well on his way to the celestial city. He has gotten through the, the place of deliverance and lost his burden. He's been clothed now in the, the clothes of his Savior. And he has avoided losing his assurance He's made it to the Palace Beautiful, where he is going to be able to go in there and, and rest and be equipped. While he's doing that, we're taking a moment to kind of zoom back out and look at some of the even lesser yet, the deep cuts uh, from the Pilgrim's Progress that either just get mentioned in passing or get discussed at length, but never really get their, their moment of narrative, uh, their story told as much as it just gets kind of talked around. So we went ahead and filled some things in, told some of these stories. We're probably going to focus more on one of them than the others, but let's start at the beginning, uh, which is uh, we've got an inclusio here of formalist and hypocrisy. Uh, They're both going their own way rather than climbing the hill difficulty like Christian did. And formalist goes to the right on the road called danger. And uh, this is going to prove to be a dangerous road, predictably. <laughs> I've got a Bible here, and I am going to flip over to Proverbs 14.21, which is the footnote that is given for the idea of both formalist and hypocrisy taking easier roads uh, rather than going up the difficult road, which is the narrow way. Now it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. That reminds me a lot of the book of Judges, where everyone does what's right in his own eyes. Yep. You know, people following their own hearts, people following their own. I was just uh, reading this past week in Numbers about the four tassels that the Israelites were to put on their garments. Yep. And it says, this is to remind you of the word of the Lord and to remind you not to follow your own hearts or your own eyes which people tend to whore after. Mm. And I remember thinking, wow, that is like that first part... The culture at large would probably not be too offended by, but when you start saying, following your own heart, Mm. following your own eyes, following your own dreams, Mm. this might lead you to destruction, a way that seems very right to man. What were your thoughts on formalists getting real comfortable there in the the hedge maze and just deciding to go with it? It's odd because because he knows. Yeah. He knows that he's never going to get out of it. And then, and then, and then even when he reads the map, that his father gave him, which is turn around and go back where he came from. So you see, he's given an out. He's given a means of escape. And then the thing that comes into his head is, but that's not meant for me. 
For sure, yeah. For sure, that's not for me. If you're a formalist, yeah. you've got you've yeah. got the map, and it contains all of these very <laughs> harsh have... warnings and instructions. And the thought is, eh, what's the context? Yeah, you know, you know, uh, I, I guess I'm just gonna die here, and that's it. That's the only, you know, you know. I guess I have a place to sleep. I have food. You know, it's as very, poisonous it's as lovely it is. here. It's very yeah. beautiful. I can just kind of enjoy the the twists and turns of this and follow the rules and the traditions. But 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 knowing that it leads nowhere, you know, you know the bet drifts away from his mind, and he goes, "Okay, I'm I'm not escaping. I'm going to continue to walk around in this circle, and then that's going to be okay. You know, that's going to be." That's going to be fine, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think I think this fits the the formalism of Bunyan's day, hmm. uh, as is mentioned a little later in the the card game thing. There is via the act of uniformity a a fine for missing church, right? Um, and there is then a built in spirituality, quote unquote, mm-hmm. to being a, an Englishman at this time, right? And it's going to be. Probably for most, at least according to Bunyan's view of things, not something that leads you to eternal life or to the celestial city, but is kind of just a series of twists and turns. And yeah, if you're the guy that tumbled over the wall Hmm. to go, you know, just to to go and find something, you're not sure what, you you know, Hmm. you're just, that might be enough. It it looks very nice. You've got topiaries. You've got... Hmm. Uh, a hedge maze itself is just a beautiful a, a, a labyrinth. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, I, I don't know whether or not I'm bringing up uh, a <laughs> parallel to the use of labyrinths in a certain kind of uh, contemplative spirituality today within the church visible. Maybe mm. I am, maybe I'm not. I'll leave oh. that to you to decide. I didn't see that. Oh, no? no okay. No, no. <laughs> but now that you say it, yeah. There's a, a, a certain kind of all about the journeyness to this as well. Yeah. Which is, I mean, how, how I began the podcast. Right. That in the City of Destruction, this is the vibe. It's all about the journey, not the destination. And he thinks to himself that old Vainglorian proverb, all who wander are not lost, which also uh, I see uh, on, on lots of bumper stickers these days. Um, wandering is good. Seeking mm-hmm. is the thing that is valuable. But Jesus said, seek and you will find and that, I think, is the difference between mm. formalism and even very formal true worship. I mean, you can be in one of these churches that is very formal, vestments all over the place. You know, we're a spurging people. Uh, <laughs> here we spurge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because we're Baptists, there they would spurge. You know, you've got your swinging censers. If you're pointing it all to the cross, great. If you're right. pointing it all to this is death to self, and life, awesome. I mean, some of those kind of worship services... You hear the gospel preached, and every other aspect is like you're smelling the gospel, you're tasting it, you're, mm. see, you're, you're, you're you know, it's processing up the eye. It's great. I, I'm, I'm not against formalism, and I don't think Bunyan was either. Formalist, his issue is it's all in the forms. Mm. The forms aren't pointing to something. The forms are the end, not the means to an end. And that's going to c- come up again and again throughout the Pilgrim's Progress because that's the world that Bunyan lived in. And he was kind of the odd man out for saying... I don't need the forms. What I really need is Jesus because that's the only thing that can save me is Jesus blood. Uh, and, and, and it, and it shows again, the danger of taking the, you know, the gospel for granted as just a story to be read and maybe occasionally thought about, but 
it doesn't actually impact your life. It doesn't actually push you anywhere. Uh, both formalist and hypocrite, it, it, their thoughts tend to be, oh, gee, I can't wait till I get home to tell right. about, you know, you know, you know, their destination isn't the celestial right. city. Right. This is a, this is a round trip. It's a vacation. Exactly. It's a, yeah. And that seems to be at the mind of so many of these people is the, is that the celestial city is somewhere to maybe be just visited. Get a you selfie know, there. Know, a selfie, uh, you know, get yourself a shirt and then you get, get your mom something and then you're, you're on your way back home. Hey, welcome to Celestial City. <laughs> Say hi to your mom for me. Um, Mark Wahlberg, kind of? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is in no way a, a saving or meaningful gospel. And you can tell that's just the way that they're, they're living. They're making bets along the way. And, yeah, it's and a game. It's this, yeah, well, it's this, it's this old English, my good man kind of, <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, way of living. Uh-huh. Where 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 you're just two gents about the town, seeing mm-hmm. you know, it, this it, is another little, little adventure we can have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And maybe know, next week it'll be something different. It well, definitely will. At yeah. least for one of them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it seems to me too that that uh, there's a tie maybe to I don't I don't have the the text in front of me, but to Jesus talking to the Pharisees about. Um, you know, you're basically like kids playing at a wedding and playing at funeral and and wanting to play, pick the song, and I'm supposed to dance. And and I don't play these religious games. I'm actually here as the way, the truth, and the life. Right. And, and it's easy, even if you're saved and you know you've not tumbled over the wall, to get wrapped into that kind of thought. Like mm-hmm. th- this is, uh, you play the game. You you. Speak the the language of churches. It may mm. or may not even have any biblical footing. Right. You you play the political game of how you do this or that in the church. You put the right stickers on your car. You <laughs> use the right buzzwords when you pray, and you can get stuck in that loop, that feedback loop, that hedge maze of just going around and around and going, "Wow, years have gone by since I've made any real progress right. along this pilgrim way hmm. uh, in my sanctification." And I think we all need to be careful of that, although it's much more dangerous for someone who's just tumbled in over the wall, yeah, popped into the church, not via the narrow gate, and hasn't been to the place of deliverance. It's For them, this is, I think, a recipe for, for tasting of these holy things and then later rejecting them. Undoubtedly. Scary stuff. Mm. So even though formalist and hypocrisy are, are, I think, a little bit comedic uh, relief, comedy relief, comic relief. Third time's the, <laughs> that's the term. Um, they're, they're very sad stories. Uh, now, the one that I think we're going to talk most about here is Little Faith. He's the one who gets the most real estate on the page uh, later on when when uh, this discussion's happening on the Enchanted Ground. Uh, there's lots of texts to look up. Uh, and you have some that you thought of as you were reading it as well. This guy, Little Faith, is from the town of Sincere. And uh, that's that stands out from the rest of these town names that we've gotten, right? Right? Yeah. Vainglory, um, destruction, fair speech. They're mm-hmm. all very kind of negative, but sincerity seems like it would be a good thing. Yeah. And and he's coming from a good starting place. Yes. He's got, he's got a good root, uh, and and there's been seed that has landed on some good soil. Undoubtedly. Uh, and so we get to Matthew six thirty. Now, I'm going to read all of these real quick that are just little faith of the town sincere. Footnote, boom, 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 boom. But if God, this is the words of Jesus, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And that makes me think of the fact that Jesus often is kind of calling people 
little faith. And he's talking mm-hmm. often to his disciples and followers. Right. And it's it's not a cute term of affection, but it's also not a condemnation. Hmm. Even inside of their sincerity. Uh, in Matthew 14, we have this amazing story of Peter walking on the water, which for me is is just like goosebumps for days, like, like goosebumps on my actual soul, not on my skin. Uh, Jesus says to him, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. So we have, a, you know, this proper kind of faith. And yet it's little because he looked down and looked away. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? That's a beautiful picture of Jesus. And, and maybe there is even like a little endearment in that. I mean, these these are his kids in the faith, in a sense. Uh, he's, he's building something in them. And I mean, he's not bemused by it, but... I don't know, like when, when your kids disobey and, and they reap the result, right? Your kid's allergic to cheese and they sneak some cheese and they get hives and you go, oh, you little, you know, <laughs> I don't know. You little stinker. I may be uh, bringing that to the text, but these are, Jesus is not condemning. There's, there's a, a rebuke here, but it seems to be kind of a lighthearted rebuke. Well, yeah, because, because if he was really rebuking you, you'd know it. <laughs> You know, <laughs> well, yeah, he calls you Satan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He calls Peter any, Satan any, <laughs> any reading of the Gospels definitely shows that he's not afraid to. He doesn't sugarcoat know. his rebukes. Yeah, <laughs> right. Woe to you, teachers Pharisees. of the law and Pharisees! Yeah. You whitewashed tombs. And he's telling people it's going to be better for for uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment yeah. than for you. Uh, if they had seen the kind of miracles that you have seen, they would have repented in ashes long ago. So these three these three robbers come in to. Find a lone pilgrim. Again, the notion of a pilgrim traveling alone, yep. uh, it's very foolish. You can't, two are better than one. It goes all the way back to Ecclesiastes and perhaps back to the garden. It's not good for this guy yeah. to be alone. So we have, from from this point, uh, here comes these three robbers. They have their little path that comes where the Broadway gate comes up and that path meets the narrow way. Uh, and, and that is their spot. And this one time, they happen to find someone sleeping exactly there. The text uh, is Matthew seven thirteen. Enter by the narrow gate. We've read this before. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Uh, and I think this is a way that there's some self-correction or some protection of the world of this allegory. Where there, there's a wall. Mm-hmm. So there's a clear delineation for those who are on, if you're on the narrow way, you're going to have to make a break from it. Right. If you're going to leave it. But there are, and it's been mentioned before, and Bunyan's mentioned it early on, other roads abutting up to it, you know, kind of joining into it. And you're going to be interacting with lots of people who are really on the broad way. They're popping in, they're popping out. You're you're meeting in the market, whatever it looks like in real life. Uh, and, And so these guys like to interact with those on the narrow way, they find them to be easy marks for, for them. Uh, little Faith uh, is left after he's robbed. He's left with hardly enough money to support him through his journey. That is going to be First Peter 4.18. It says, And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? I think what's uh, being highlighted there is the idea of the righteous being scarcely saved. You know, mm. this... this being saved, but it was close. Yeah. 
And it's, I mean, in some sense, it's close for all of us because we were full-fledged on our way to hell with the pedal to the metal as fast as we could, as hard as we could, steering away from God. And he saved us. Hmm. But for those then who are put back on the right road and have a tendency to kind of hit the brakes, ride the brakes, steer aside, turn this way and that to push the metaphor, there's salvation rooted in him, not in us. But it's going to be close. And that's that. What, what a horrible regret that would be to be at Judgment Day and realize, man, I did the bare minimum. Yeah, well, I think at the very, very end of his story... Uh, he's crying, right? He's crying because at, by the skin of his teeth, he's saved. And just as the angel's cutting the garments off of him, he finds this lost scroll and, you know, you know these lost promises and he's wasted it. Yeah. He's, he's completely wasted the time he was given. He was entrusted with such a great, uh, wondrous, glorious truth, which is the, the, the gospel and his savior. And instead of living a life where... He's going to glorify him and magnify him and tell others about him. He's lived a life of complaining and pointing at himself and, and, and look at my problems, look at how interesting I am, look at you know, you know, look at my pain. And and he he's lived a life that eclipsed Christ in a lot of ways towards other people. And and what a what a damage to the church for you know for First and foremost, because if you're going out and you're doing nothing but complaining, nobody's going to want any part of that religion. Right, yeah. You know, you yeah. know it, it, if all you have is look at how hurt I am and look at how broken I am and there's no progress and there's no victory and there's no end to uh, any kind of tribulation and there's no joy inside of you, you're not bringing anyone into that faith. Yeah. You know? Yeah, uh, and, and that's, I mean, it's, it's timely. The, the warning, I think, is... 1 Corinthians 3.15 as well. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he right. himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And, you know, he, he he's so worried about losing that assurance, hmm. lose, about losing what little he has left. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of you're a harsh master, reaping where you have not sown, gathering it's where you have not. And, and so I buried the talent. This guy... Uh, this this is my... Almost all of this stuff this week, guys, is my invention, sorry. Uh, but uh, he... he puts the, sews the thing into the, the scroll that he has, into the lining of his coat, yeah. so that it won't ever possibly be seen by someone else. Later on, there's this great argument between Hopeful and Christian, where Christian kind of snibbeth at him, and they get, they get mad at each other. And what mm -hmm. they're debating about is, you know, if it would have been possible to, to get this, hmm. this thing. And, and I don't think it would have been, because he's truly saved. Mm. But at the end of the day, Jesus gives us this uh, kind of grid of the good tree that produces good fruit, the bad tree that produces bad fruit, or, you know, when he curses the fig tree in this sort of object lesson, it's a, a tree that's producing no fruit. Mm -hmm. And one of them is cast into the fire as fuel because it has no other use. One of them is a wonderful blessing because it gives a lot of fruit. In between there, hmm. you would have the tree that produced fruit early and then kind of dried up a bit or or whatever that's the last thing i want to be and that's not what jesus wants for us either remember yeah. when he says to the church in laodicea because you are lukewarm neither hot nor cold i'm going to spit you out of my mouth or in the king james spew with you uh and <laughs> that's i'd almost rather be cold and fruitless and in, mm. you know in, rather than have this miserable life uh completely constantly complaining 
you can enjoy yourself in some other... No, I don't mean that. Obviously, if you're going to, in the end, be saved, even through the flames, that's the best. But, gosh, what a waste. What a horrible waste of of great blessings. Hmm. It's it's mentioned uh, that it is providence, not ingenuity, that kept his certificate from being robbed from him. Uh, and I think that also is telling, that, that it wasn't that he prepared for this. Uh, God kept him in his hand, kept him secure, and he's not about to let little faith be snatched out of his hand. Right. Uh, we read in 2 Timothy 1.14, By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. He, he sort of does that, but he overcorrects. He does it by burying mm-hmm. the talent rather than saying, all right, I need to be wise with this. I need to be on guard. The enemy is roaring about, but I also have a, a purpose here. I need to take what I've been given and multiply it for my God's glory. It's also not something that he's hiding away because he's joyful about it. It's not, he's not hiding it away from himself because, because it's, it's, it's so important to him or it's so... When he's thinking to himself, certainly it could have been much worse, he thought, but no measure of comfort came forth from this truth. He knows that's what he should feel. Yeah. But it doesn't actually produce anything inside of him. He's not actually happy that he still has the assurance. You know, it's still almost a burden, something that he just has to carry out. And now, in his own thought, now I have to do it with even less money than I had before. Now it's going to be even harder. Rather than focusing on the fact that his sins have been forgiven, he's going to the celestial city, he's going to be with his master. All these incredibly positive points that you're, that, you know, have been purchased for you and set aside for you and are being kept for you, his focus is completely on how hard the task is going to be now. I don't have all my money. I had saved a lot of money. I was going to oh, be able man. to, you know, really yeah. splurge. Uh, so, I think that the idea that uh, it should have been a great comfort to him ties into this other verse given in Second Peter one nineteen, And we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Hmm. You know, there's this hope that you could pay attention to there's this light, but instead it's, and this is a corny, hmm. vainglorian maybe proverb too, but I think there's some truth in it. It's easier to curse the darkness, or for some people it feels better to curse the darkness than to, to look to the light and to, hmm. to bask in the light. And there's a bitterness in that. Right. Well, it, it, it's, it's not the guy who finds the treasure in the field, sells all that he has, buys the field, because that treasure is so great. I'm willing to I'm willing to forsake everything in my life, give it all away in pursuit to obtain this one precious treasure. Instead, this one precious treasure, you're looking at it and saying, "Well, it costs me everything. It better right. be pretty great." Yeah, you're focusing on yeah. the all that you had. You're focusing mm-hmm. on yeah, yeah, and I think we often do that maybe not with our whole lives all the way to the bitter end like like little faith, but on a given day or for a season, mm-hmm. thinking of stuff we've given up or we don't have or looking at our friends who you know, went full force for wealth and gain and seemed to be enjoying their lives more than us at the moment or something and, and think, gosh, I gave all that up and now I'm kind of, un-, you know, the enemy can, can grab that and leverage it and use it to draw our thoughts away from our Savior and, and keep us from finding joy and satisfaction in him, even though we know we wouldn't have found any satisfaction in that stuff. Right. Just knowing that someone else has it and we don't, or that we just even knowing that we don't have it and that we could have had it. Hmm. What could have been. That's a great, I think, a great uh, tool of the enemy. 
Yeah, and, 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 and getting you to focus on the wrongs done to you. He doesn't get wronged and then decide to stand up and be a shield and a sword for other people who are wronged. He decides to look inwardly, protect himself the rest of the way, and then, and then he encircles himself with people that feel the same way and think the same way, and no one can tell him that he's wrong because, you know, you know well, we're all suffering here. And aren't you brave for focusing well, on know, that? Well, you know, you're brave, and, and I don't want to sound, and I think neither of us want to sound insensitive to people's hurts and wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. That is that, you know, in injustice that has been done to people. But, you know, you know, we have the promises that we don't take vengeance. We wait for the day of the Lord when he comes and he takes vengeance for injustice done. Mm-hmm. His primary complaint at the end of it all is he gets bitter because he knows that no justice is going to be done because he's not going to be able to identify these men. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, know, you know, he's not going to be able to. And it really is that that holding up of oneself, holding up his worth above the truths and the promises of God at the end of the day and saying that I need justice now. I'm not going to wait. Um, and, and, and if it doesn't happen, I'm going to cross my arms and I'm not going to make a shred more progress until something is done about it. Well, this guy does make progress because he comes to the well, he end. He comes to the end. Right. So he, he moves along the road. And I think that's important uh, because there's not a sense in which if your faith stagnates a bit based on some wounds, spiritual wounds or something. And instead of this second Corinthians one thing, you know, um, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Instead of going that route of I've been hurt, I've been comforted. Let me then empathize with others and comfort them. It becomes this kind of feedback loop again of, well, let's just all rehearse all the bad things that happened to us and curse the people. Instead, we read uh, Bunyan saying, for the remainder of his journey, he chiefly spread abroad melancholy and bitter complaints concerning his misfortune. He would also explain in detail to other pilgrims encountered in the way where and how he was robbed, who they were who assaulted him, what he lost, the severity of his wounds, and the closeness of his brush with death. Instead, that becomes his testimony. Yeah. Instead of, I was saved by Jesus, despite all the wickedness of men. Yeah, yeah. Your story is so interesting that it takes place of the gospel. Yeah, and not your story as a function of the gospel story, as we often will frame, you know, evangelism and things. But your story just that puts the the spotlight back on you, Mm -hmm. it can't but take the spotlight off of Jesus. Yeah. And that, I think, is the, the great tragedy, there might be some kind of reference to Twitter in there as he's uh, tweeting, <laughs> tweeting the same irksome song over and over again. Uh, I mentioned that he, he pushes everyone away by via this bitter complaining concerning his misfortune, except other people who might also be into bitter complaining. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the last group you ought to be surrounded by. Uh, if you are someone who's been hurt, uh, someone who's, you know, on the Pilgrim Road, been been attacked by... They're called in uh, the original Pilgrim's Progress, Mistrust, Guilt, and Faint Heart. Uh, and since we just met a guy named Mistrust, uh, a different guy who is running away from the lions, I changed it to, to Deep Doubt, which I think is a similar idea. So these things have, have really gotten a hold of him. He's faint-hearted now. Um, a- after being attacked by them, they've almost 
kind of gotten in his head and, and, and owned him. Uh, he is now full of great doubt. He is now full of guilt and regret. And this could have been a, an example of Christ then restoring him and him like Peter, who could turn to the doubter and mm-hmm. the person who, who denies Christ and right. say, been there. Yeah. And it sucks. And, and Jesus forgives and restores. He could say, I've been hurt. And, I, and it was awful. And I affirm that you are suffering and that it's important and it shouldn't be swept under the rug. And let's talk about how Jesus restores. Yeah. And I think there's also a distinction to be made here between maybe someone who's been hurt to the point of saying, I don't trust the visible church right now. I, I'm not willing to uh, join a congregation. Hmm. And it's not the smartest way to go, right. but it's understandable. And you will get to the end of the road. Yeah. Um, but not in as good of shape as you could have. There's a big difference between that and the actual apostate. Yeah. Who who goes off of, turn away of the town apostasy, uh, which is uh, one of the characters I'm going to zoom in on in, in uh, Vignettes Part 2 uh, later in the, the series. But that guy has left the faith. Hmm. This guy has not. And so I think when we as believers, I mean, everyone's been hurt to some degree on their journey. Uh, but I think we as believers, as other fellow pilgrims, should when we see someone who's who's still shuffling along the path hmm. and full of bitter complaints be moved by compassion because we don't want them to get to the end and be full of regret yeah yeah i, I was going to bring up two more uh, verses that i think fit in well with this and then the first one i think is the most obvious one which is philippians uh 2 14 through 15 or just primarily 14 do all things without grumbling or disputing this is a way that we're meant to live doing things without grumbling and disputing and to live your life every second grumbling about this thing that was taken from you these things that were taken from you and also and also galatians 5 22 to 23 which are the fruits of the spirit and how this lifestyle fits in with almost none of them mm, you know yeah. you know he's not peaceful he's not joyful it's not self-control if you can't if you can't control what's coming out of your mouth based on your feelings in a moment it's the exact opposite way that a pilgrim should be walking it's kind of doubled down because now you reach out and you affect other people's lives and you tell them this is an appropriate way to live as well look how i'm living i grumble and i complain and i i i distract and i think today also i attack right yeah. i spend a lot yeah, of yeah, there's yeah. a lot of vitriol to be spit at other people because mm-hmm. i'm angry yeah uh and this is this is how we ought to interact with the world and with the church. This is what justice means. This is what making wrongs right means. And it's not. It's, it's really not. Because at the end, he's weeping. Yeah. Because he's able to look back at this life. Well, he's looking into glory and say, well, how much greater would this have been to focus on than that? Right, what's before me rather than what's behind me. Yeah. And again, I often will tell people, you know, who are who are struggling with hurts from the past, go see a good counselor, you know, yeah. and, and do deal with it. Don't this is not some like manly, like, oh, if you're Christian or faithful, you just bury it down and, and look ahead and and let bygones be bygones. It, rather, do what needs to be done to be comforted, to put it behind you, and you maybe it's something that has to happen again and again and again. But you're not going to do anyone any good if the enemy gets you focused only on what's been done to you. Our focus, if we're going to focus on someone who's been wrongly harmed, ought right. to be on Christ yep. who who took our punishment at the cross. 
when we when we really really kind of kicked off our friendship, uh, we were right in the middle of a church move, and I just want to say that I can sympathize really greatly with um, the pain and the discomfort mm. and the lack of trust, the feeling of violation in a lot of ways because the relationship between the Christian and their church is so deeply rooted. Your counsel through a lot of it, though, was that 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 wasn't illegitimate, that we could feel those ways, me and my wife, we could we could we could feel hurt. But how are you going to use it? You know, come here. This is a place where you're not going to be pushed or, you know, you know pulled or anything like that. And um, I really appreciated that. So I, I don't know. I just want to say that I can really sympathize with someone in that scenario where, where, you know, you feel so wronged and you feel so betrayed. But the focus always should be, especially for us looking in on one of those scenarios, to point that person back to Christ. And there is a way out of this that leads you not into bitter. Mm-hmm. Because anyone who knows me knows that I get bitter really, really fast. It's just part of who I am. I'll sour on something incredibly quick. And to think that that could be something that I could lead my family into, mm. you, know, you know, that I could be little faith where, you know, you know I, I, get, I get wronged and in, 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 I, I, I sour on the concept of local church and I sour on the concept of submitting to one's elders and pastors because they've wronged me before. Mm. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and, and who's to say it's not going to happen again? And I'll, I'll stand by... Um, uh, real biblical confessions and I'll say that, well, confessing that we're all fallen, fallible human beings, I'm going to put myself under the care of another fallen, fallible set of human beings. You know, that's not logical. That doesn't make sense. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe I start a house church or maybe I, you know, it, 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 it stay out of local church. Just do a little online church. Do a little online church. Right, right. Watch a, te- you know, a television. Um, <laughs> watch a television. Watch a television. <laughs> Get uh, on the computer. And yeah, do it. get on the on the internet. <laughs> Log in. Yeah, I think that's a. But what you bring up is a whole other level here too. Of I mean, if it's it, it was one thing. This guy is on the the pilgrim road, mm. and there are opportunists who jump on him, and it's not clear exactly. I mean, other than that, they are embodiments of doubt, faint heartedness, and guilt. But like, if it's hurt by the church itself, right. That that is a very difficult thing, and it's a, a reality that that I guess people have always dealt with. But it's become very fashionable now to to have such a story, even if you have to kind of dig for it, hmm. uh, because there is kind of a community of people that you can be part of, and there's even a an industry of writing books and things surrounding right. it, and where it helps people deal with, face, overcome, mourn. Etc. Forgive and 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 move forward. That's a very needed industry, quote unquote. Hmm. But where it says, you know, like we can't cure cancer because we're all about, you know, raising our money based on how much cancer there is. You know, right. uh, like our our standing and our even our livelihood might depend on this hmm. continued. It, it it almost becomes like you know selling lottery tickets to pay for kids to learn math. And you're like, right. yeah, but if we pay for enough kids to learn math, we're not going to sell any more lottery tickets. Mm. <laughs> it's, um, and, and I don't mean to be flip about any of this stuff, other than to say there are warnings here against going down this road of kind of walling yourself off in this world, this cage of bitterness, this self-imposed cage, and instead turning to Christ and saying, restore me. 
And at the same time, like we've already mentioned, and you just mentioned, the church has a great responsibility not to condemn people in that in that case, not to snuff out the smoldering wick, right. break off the bent reed. Mm-hmm. That is that's far less Christ-like mm-hmm. than someone who's hurt and has a hard time getting over it. That's right. that's just being a human. Uh, I think that a couple of texts that are that are provided here are great. Romans 15:1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. When you see somebody who's struggling, if you feel a tendency to go, okay, you've struggled enough, mm-hmm. you've complained enough, I'm going to kind of knock you down. And that I think that exists in all of us, that self-righteous Pharisee. Mm-hmm. We need to repent of that right away. And then the other one I think is even more fitting, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. What? I was going to say like some kind of... Darwinian Christianity, right? Where, yeah. it's, where it's you know you know completely the strongest you know or, or or the survival of the strongest, and you're kicking others out of the way. That's to, the to very m- super right. masculine Theobro Elf masculine Christianity, Christianity, which is a book that is either in your it's house, in the office, it's here I in this office. It. You can see it now. Well, there there may or may not have been a book that I uh, used my own child to force onto Alex because I didn't want, and we're in a protracted battle over where it will reside forever. Uh, the other text is First uh, Thessalonians 5.14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. Be patient with them all. So there is a place for admonishing those who have fallen into idleness yeah. for whatever reason. And that could be self-satisfaction or that could be self-doubt or whatever it is to admonish mm. them. Uh, and I don't, and that doesn't mean condemn. And to encourage the faint-hearted, hmm. a- and those are people who've probably been burned before. Encourage them. Just pour yourself into encouraging. Right. And this is a reminder, I think, for all Christians right now. Because I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on that is very legitimate, where people have been part of real toxic, bad setups, where churches thought, wouldn't it be smart if we became basically like a a corporate structure and there Mm -hmm. was like buy, sell, buy, sell, faceless corporate entity, you know, at the top. And and they got hurt. I think encouraging has got to be our knee-jerk reaction. And the admonishing maybe is to lovingly say, let's look in the scripture together at where this is going to lead if you get overly comfortable. I think it's like anger and doubt. Right, You can be anger and sin not. We know that because scripture, A, commands us to be angry and sin not. Mm -hmm. And B, we see Jesus be angry and he does not sin. He never sinned. But to remain constantly angry is dangerous because you're going to fall into the temptation of the devil, according to uh, Ephesians. And then to to doubt is is not sin. You know, to, to struggle with doubts. But you've got to struggle with them. You've got mm-hmm. to fight. If you get comfortable in doubt, that's dangerous. Right. And I think the same thing is true with, with like the kind of bitterness and, and, and the kind of shell shock uh, that comes after being, being hurt while you're going down that, that road. Mm-hmm. It's, it's good and right to acknowledge it, to struggle with it, to say to God, I don't know if I can even walk into a church tomorrow or something, but mm-hmm. to get real comfortable there, to set up shop there, to build not, you know, a temporary, uh, tabernacle like uh, during the Sukkot, you know, but instead to build your beach house there or your 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 permanent dwelling there. Hmm. I think it's a dangerous thing and there has to be, it's not loving to fail to to make that warning. Yeah, not at all. Very much the opposite. Uh, but, he, you know, I think the, the last word goes to Bunyan on that topic. 
because we read from the, the lips of Christian, though it was appointed to him to have only a little faith, yet by means of his little faith, he was kept from many extremes. Hmm. And that is a good reminder too, that if I have more faith than someone else, A, maybe I've just been granted more because all the faith I have was granted me. Hmm. And so therefore I can't feel better than someone else. And B, maybe it's just because I've been kept from going through what they went through. Right. And it doesn't make any sense for me to look down on them then either. Uh, It also doesn't make sense for me to kind of enable them in wasting their talents and wasting all the gifts they've been given. Uh, Rather, you know, if, if someone's involved in a period of mourning and struggling with this kind of stuff, it can be turned to ministry and it can be turned to encouraging and comforting. And I've seen it happen. And I've known people who have come through stuff that's far worse than what I've been through mm. and probably far worse than what you've been through. Yep. And on the other side of it, have lifted up Christ all the more and, and you know, haven't become soured to sound doctrine or even the gathering together of the saints. Yeah, Maybe they become a little smarter in how quickly they hand right. over the... You know, and maybe they become a little more cynical. Right. Understandably. But don't sew that scroll into the lining of your coat and forget it's there. Yeah. It's a dangerous thing. The last text that was given there was Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11 being the hall of faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Hmm. Keep seeking him. You know, if you've been hurt, keep seeking him. If you're uh, a pastor and, and there are people who are pulling away and and starting to become bitter because of a a split in the church or a a fight in the church. Keep seeking him. Keep on encouraging people. Keep on admonishing where that's necessary, but do it gently and in love, especially if it's an older man, as as you would talk to your father, an older woman, as you would talk to your mother. Uh, Be gentle. And I think that's the solution to all this because what the problem, the root of the problem is usually that someone wasn't gentle. Right. Someone was yeah. uh, domineering and acted like the Gentiles who lorded over people. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe the the responsibility of the greater church is to make sure not just that we stand in judgment of that and go back and, and run through the tape and condemn it, but rather that we say, how do we make sure that from this moment going forward, that's not acceptable in the church anymore? How do we guard against it? How do we guard the precious souls that might be hurt by the next fill in the blank, uh, mm-hmm. you know, of the, of the name of the individual or the church, you know, the mm-hmm. name that you fill in, yeah. but I'm not going to yeah, say yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all of that got us in huge trouble and everyone is dragging us on Twitter right now, but we're <clears> going <throat> to respond. You're not going to know about it because you're not on any social media and That's I'm not right. going to respond in, in anger. I'm going to control myself, which is a fruit of the spirit that I struggle with. All right. The taking of linger after lust comes from just one line. Mr. Greatheart, who is one of my favorite characters, even though he's been pointed at as kind of this plot contrivance, I disagree (laughs) greatly. Uh, Mr. Greatheart, when they're at the place where Simple Sloth and... I'm not going to say what happens to Simple Sloth and Presumption later, because that would be a spoiler. But I'm going to tell you that he says this, that they there, where they failed to turn Christian away, they did succeed in turning several out of the way, including slow pace, short wind, no heart, Linger After Lust, Sleepyhead, and a young woman named Dole, whose parents aren't nice. (laughs) In this case, I tried to give a little backstory of what could lead someone up to the point of 
lying down with these three, or by that time, these four, because Dole has also found her way to being laying there. This this reminds me so much of the Bluth family. Right, right. right. Is like there gaslight? a carbon monoxide yeah. leak in here? They're all just laying there. In fact, my parents' house, that, not their current house, but where they used to live, when we all, my whole family lived in the, the uh, Grand Rapids area, after church every Sunday, we'd all gather for lunch there. And at one point, I started to wonder, is this place, like, is there a carbon monoxide? Is, hmm. What is it about this? And then I decided it was just that it's the Sabbath, which is conducive to resting from your labors. But we'd all wind up laying, kind of lolling on the floor, <laughs> you know, kind of just like watching the babies play in their oh, playpen, yeah. just kind of just laying there. This is going to happen, though, not as a Sabbath rest, but as a lifestyle uh, for linger after, after lust. So his journey begins. He's lingering. Yeah. He's lingering over, before he enters through the gate, he's lingering over by the Broadway side, chatting it up with them. And his answer to the gatekeeper is, hey, Jesus did that. Yeah. He mixed with the, the uh, sinners. And is there any rule against me talking to these people? Yeah. Well, and and I know how to handle these people. Yeah. I know. You I speak know. the language. Yeah. Listen, I can, don't worry about me. I know how this to deal is, uh, with this stuff. This is that. This is that. Romans thirteen fourteen, making no provision for the flesh. Mm-hmm. This is the, this guy. Every step of the way is making a provision for the flesh. Yes. Let me let me let me look over the wall. Let me watch the orgies and this and that going on. It's not going to affect me though, because I'm in the narrow way and I'll be fine. I'm and not drinking. They're drinking. They're drinking. I'm, I'm just, just watch watching them. and wishing I was. Yeah. I'm cool. That's a little loophole for me. Yeah. At every step of the way, this guy is allowing his sin to stay. Yeah. He's not he's not killing it. He's not cutting it off. He's not nailing anything to a cross. His burden's he's, very little because he mm-hmm. doesn't have much of a sense for his own sin. And you get that paradox between he is then grabbed and pushed and forced into the interpreter's house, mm-hmm. right? And then he goes through and then it's genuine. It's genuine feelings and he sees the man in the cage and he sees the uh what is it? Uh, the bird eating the uh, the, the centipede, centipede, which is from like part that. two. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he, he he sees all this stuff, and he's genuinely affected by it, and he wants to make good progress. You know, and then he he's dragged down by these people again, easily, you know, easily, easily. Moments after passing yep. through for, down from Calvary, yeah, sees them, and for Christian, it was just confusing. Yeah, like get up, what are you doing? For this guy, because he has made so much provision for the flesh mm-hmm. and, and loves the sin still, yeah. And wants it to keep living alongside, you know, the the, the grace of God in his heart and, and, and alongside Christ himself, he just takes a step closer. I'm just going to go look. I'm going to go, maybe that, that fruit, that fruit, by the way, we find out later will mess you up. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I think Matthew eats, is it Matthew who eats? One of the, one of Christiana's and Christian's boys takes some bites of that. <laughs> uh, that's going to be fun to, to tell later. But he, he doesn't even make it there because yeah. he steps on presumption accidentally or, mm-hmm. or one of these guys. And they easily tell him it's not worth continuing to go. Yeah. Because, first of all, it's not half of what people have said it was. Hmm. That, that celestial city. Eh, who cares? Because they've been. Yeah, right. Well, they know. They just <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. They, they, they know that this city, just like this road, is full of meddlesome, troublesome, busybodies. Hmm. Uh, when he says, what about the bread that's provided? They say it's husks. What about the comforts for his disciples? Those are mere fancies. And what about the travel and labor of the pilgrims? Things to no purpose. Mm. And he's like, huh, yeah, you make some good points. Mm. I'm going to lie down for a while. I'm not going to stay here like them. He doesn't even notice, I'm, I, I, unless I misremember, that they're chained. Right. Yeah, I don't think they're so. They're just people laying there. Yeah. And uh, he's probably going to wake up with chains on himself. His intention is to get back on that road 
after another quick look over that wall. It's like with Faithful and Wanton. You know, if if uh, if Faithful would have given in to Wanton and and her repeated mantra of "What'll well, be there tomorrow? Mm-hmm. It'll be there tomorrow. You'll be able to get you know uh, escape my grasp uh, tomorrow. Uh, you'll be able to leave the bed tomorrow. It's fine. You know, you know." It, just lay down and no, you won't. Yeah, you're young. Don't worry about mm-hmm. it. You've got your whole life ahead of you. No, you're going to set the course of it right now. Yeah. Because giving in once makes it easier next time Well, and, to give in again. And, and and I think another thing is it's a, it's a disbelief for how short your life is. You mm-hmm. know, you know yeah. for, for, for how short the time that we have here is. It's, it's, it's In a, your most productive years, too. Yeah, Even that. Absolutely. Like I just turned 44 yesterday. Young buck. It's no. I'm I'm saying like that went that from 34 yeah. to 44 was like 13 seconds. Right. And you start thinking like, okay, if only I could have had the real palpable sense for how valuable mm. each year is when I was 24. I knew, yeah. I knew in my head, but I thought, you know, I can put off a lot of this kind of making progress in my sanctification. I'm studying. I'm a seminarian. You know, I'm doing this stuff. But but you know, I can put off some of this stuff. No, don't put any of it off. I, I got a little book we together for the gospel um, that I paid for. There were some books I got that I paid money for as well as the books that I got for free. Uh-huh. Um, one of them that I love, I was telling you I love, is this Be Thou My Vision, uh, Jonathan Gibson. Beautiful. Kind of reinvigorating my devotional life in a big way. It's Beautiful. really cool. And I got the audio book too. Oh, yeah. Sadly, it doesn't quite match up. Ugh, but but he's, he has this amazing accent. And there's like fiddle playing and like singing of this stuff. Anyway, it's Ooh. great. But another book I got was uh, a little like sermon turned into a kind of booklet by Alistair Begg called Crazy Lazy. <laughs> and I loved that it started, it was just looking at uh, the sluggard and what the book of Proverbs says about the sluggard, the lazy guy and how all of us can fall into this trap. And he starts with, what's his life look like? Procrastination. Hmm. It was such a breath of fresh air for me because I, I struggle with procrastination. Hmm. I struggle with putting off things, even like easy things, a phone call that would take 10 minutes. I'll put hmm. off for five days uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll do, I mean, I'm just sitting there twiddling my thumbs. I do other things. I do things that are important, but like putting things off. If you look into most of what the world has to say about kind of being productive or figuring out how to overcome procrastination, it always begins with, it doesn't mean you're lazy. It's Mm. not some bad thing you're doing. Don't worry. It's just whatever, a fear of success or it's this or that. You got to get to the root of it and Mm. stop thinking it's just that you're lazy because you're not going to get anywhere. And I think that's nonsense. If you're lazy, you're being lazy. The scriptures Mm. condemn it as sin. Repent of it. Turn to God. And there was a laziness um, in my youth that I've overcome even though I do, you know, tend uh, with procrastination to to put certain things off, I'm getting I'm getting better. I'm seeing God at work in that, and identifying that as provision for the flesh is important. Mm. And I think that you see that in a lot of people who get stuck in, yeah, like you say, tomorrow it'll be there. Yeah, tomorrow this will be. I'll do it later. I, ha- I you know what? I'm going to draw up today the plan for how I'm going to read through the Bible three times in a year. Right. I'll do that, but I'm not going to actually start reading it. Yeah. I'm going to buy the book about prayer. And maybe I'll read that later, but I'm not going to pray now. You know, like mm. this kind of, the kind of the elephant versus the rider kind of thing. Mm. Like <laughs> you, you've got to move the elephant, you know, and, and yeah. move him down the, the narrow road to mix the metaphor. Uh, and I think that uh, him winding up there was a foregone conclusion. And I don't know what it says about his state 
spiritual state. And I don't mm-hmm. know that Greatheart mentions what's going on with them. The, the extra people that were led astray, right? they're definitely simple sloth and presumption identified as agents of the enemy. And so it's very sad for somebody to get immediately drawn as, aside. And I also, you know, it makes me think of, we were just talking about Billy Graham earlier today. You know, all the many, many, many people who go down the aisle hmm. and it's sincere. Right. You know, they're also from the town sincere. And yet they don't get plugged into a church much of the time. They didn't, it, it didn't last. It was, they were caught up in a moment. Hmm. Maybe they were caught up in the, the sense of energy that comes from a huge crowd and the emotion of a tinkling piano and a reminder of something, you know, that happened in their youth or whatever. And, and I wonder, you know, you, you, if you've really been to the cross and are immediately kind of neutralized, what does that say? As they say, you can't know anyone's heart. But, I mean, I'd want to err on the side of <laughs> making it down the road right. rather than presuming on God's grace. Yeah, of course. Especially in that he knew what was right. 10 seconds ago. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, you know it, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't like that. Like he, he's, he's gone through some massive arduous journey between the cross and these people. Right. And he's so tired now. He's fighting through the wilds and, you know, he's out running wolves and all that. And, and he's done none of that. This is he's, the easiest part of the road. It's downhill from the cross. It goes downhill well, to this point. Well, and if you remember how Christian takes it with this weight off his back, he can't, he just needs to make yeah, progress. He can't go fast enough. Yeah, far yeah, enough. yeah. Ooh, ooh, maybe I can, you know, maybe I can go a little further today. You know, I mean, I still have daylight. I can still go. Uh, it, this is, I mean, how could you ever already enter into a stupor? You knew you had all these things revealed to you, and especially the man in the iron cage where you had this warning yeah. of presumption. Laying and, the reins upon the necks yes, of your lust. Yes, and doing none of it. Yeah. Leaving hearer of the word only, mm. and yeah. and you'll respond with emotion, but you won't respond with with motion, as it were. Uh, that yeah, that that one is to me the the most of all these people. Short wind, I imagine, is just somebody who who's really excited about stuff right away mm. and then kind of fails. No heart, uh, slow pace. Yeah, mm. I don't know. Slow slow and steady wins the race. I don't know. <laughs> I'd rather be slow paced. And faithful every day, right? Then, then short wind and rush mm-hmm. ahead and, and and run out. Sleepy head, <laughs> that's a that's yeah. an adorable one. That's a good and one. Dole Dole's pulled aside just because she lacks wisdom, I guess. I think that it's a, a bad look for Bunyan that this is one of the first women we've seen on the road. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but next next time we're gonna run run into a lot of very exemplary women, prudence mm. and charity, and all these uh, that that are are wonderful. Uh, let's talk real quickly about um, the town of Fair Speech. Uh, and I honestly, I threw this in here simply because everything was depressing and I thought there should be something that was a little more upbeat. Huh. The, the idea of the town of fair speech comes from uh, Proverbs 26 verses 24 and 25. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Uh, so disguising oneself with, with fair speech while there is all sorts of other stuff in your heart. Also, Romans 16, 17, and 18, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Hmm. So smooth talk, fair speech, does not necessarily mean good hearts. Uh, And the name of the parson 
of that church, which I call the United Church of Ease. Yeah. I had to name all these. Clever. There's going to be a clergy gathering in the next set of vignettes. Uh, I've already written it, and I'm very happy with it, uh, like more happy than I should be with myself. Very uh, clever name. <laughs> First Timothy 3.8. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. So this guy is in the town of fair speech, but he's double-tongued. He can be more realistic and open with these guys around this table in the chapel than he can be at the pulpit five feet away on a mm. Sunday morning. He's expected to kind of say this stuff, talk the talk, but now he's got another tongue. He's two-tongued, uh, and he's got a different way of thinking and speaking and, and viewing the world uh, when he's with his guys, drinking to excess and, and gambling away while... Using the church's church's money, money. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a bad guy there, uh, Mister oh, Two yeah. uh, The parish parson. I, again, we we have yet to come across an actual professional clergyman yeah. who's not the worst. Yeah, we will, we will, but we have yet to. And I think that, that I I don't want that to reinforce this notion of don't trust the local church. Hmm. What you're dealing with is just Bunyan working through his history in his, his struggles, because it's been the official church of England that has really raked him over the coals and thrown him in prison and, and kept him from his children and kept him from his congregation and de- really taken his ability to minister openly. And, and yet it's, it's a minister of the gospel, a true minister hmm. of a church who is evangelist. That's hmm. not just some guy. Yeah. That's John Gifford. That's right. a pastor. So we have to remember that, I think. Well, and 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 not only his own experience though, but I think I think also being faithful to what we know is true. Jude is in the Bible for a reason. There are going to be these people that pull others away. There are going to be false teachers. There's going to be wolves that come yeah. in, you know, you know, that eager to devour the flock. This is a reality that you know we should be mindful of and expecting almost. These double-tongued people who serve only to itch people's ears, they're real and they exist inside of our church visible now. And they did then with Bunyan and they did from the very, very foundations of the church. Very easy to find them now. Yes. And they're they're very quick to say how their gospel is purer Hmm. because it's more appealing to the the hearts and and the ears, which we tend to whore after Mm -hmm. uh, of their hearers. Uh, and it wasn't just Jude, but his brother, um, the famous guy, what's his name? Jesus, uh, <laughs> who, who uh, said, you know, wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. Be on guard. Many will come uh, as false teachers, even false Christs. You've yeah. got to be on guard. And that, that continues to be a, a theme. Uh, by the way, sometime I want to get together a group of guys, maybe our men's group, and I want to okay. try playing Spoil 5, also known as 25. Okay. It's a very famous game, uh, beloved by monarchs and, and peasants alike. It's so confusing. I see the, yeah, I see the disadvantage here for all of us in that you, you at least have some grasp on it. Not much. It might be a little bit wrong how I showed it. It's uh, crazy, dude. So, like, the red suits, uh, the value is... Like the five of that suit, I might be saying this wrong, I think it was five, and then the jack, and then the ace of hearts, regardless of what's Trump. And then for the black suits, I think it goes from high card down, and for the red suits, from low card up, or vice versa. And so, like, if you didn't know the rules coming in, it's almost like a game designed to make you feel like an outsider. 
I, I asked my wife to read this and to tell me if, not knowing the game, if it was just like confusing or it got in the way. And she said, no, I just assumed they knew what they were doing and it was okay. I struggle with war. So. <laughs> my favorite card game by far is Cribbage. But uh, I don't think that really existed at the time, so I couldn't have them playing that. And you can't play it with seven people. Finally, Hypocrisy goes his way. Hmm. Now, I did, I'm going to have to just own, I did stray away from Bunyan quite a bit here. Uh, what he, I, I, I quoted him as saying Hypocrisy uh, enters into a, uh, what is it, a dark field with many dark mountains or something like yeah. that. Uh, and then he just keeps going. In Bunyan's rendition, this was a sentence for formalist and hypocrisy, I think. Yep. They, they share a sentence, their fate. Uh, and he just falls down and no one sees him again. He just goes down and dies. And the reason for that is this passage, Jeremiah thirteen sixteen: Give glory to the Lord your God before he brings darkness, before your feet stumble on the twilight mountains. And while you look for light, he turns it into gloom and makes it deep darkness. Oof. But I think the hypocrite... Hmm can improvise when that happens and keep on a moving. And I think it, it's in keeping with especially Jesus' ministry and what we see uh, in the book of Acts for somebody who is hypocrisy personified right. to do okay in this life. He makes his way back. Yeah. He's had enough of this journey and he's seen enough to convince people that he's done it. Yes. And so he jumps off the wall again, does the tuck and roll, shakes it off, goes right back to the town of Vainglory, and there he bumps into, again, his pastor. Right. Uh, and oh, who's, So, oh, this is the United Church of Ease. Reverend License. The other guy's just from the First Church of Fair Speech. Uh, Reverend License, uh, after everybody has celebrated and, and bought drinks for hypocrisy for what he's accomplished, even his old school chums who had had a falling out with him, uh, swagger and boastful, uh, and then this guy says, come on over here. Let's talk. I think that we could be useful to one another. Mm -hmm. Have you considered church work? Yeah. And he, he, he can see in the guy's face, he, he really isn't interested. He says, listen, for men like us, yeah, this can be very lucrative. There's, there's a lot in it for us. It's, it's more lucrative than you might think. It reminds me a lot of um, uh, Matthew 23, which is, which, is, which is Jesus going after the Pharisees. Uh, Statement after statement after statement about them being hypocrites and, and being casting, slamming the kingdom of God in people's faces, and mm -hmm. like you know, and, and and casting burdens on other people's backs. But they that themselves they can't carry wouldn't even, and, yeah, put their finger on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, where people like that are drawn to those positions because of the games that you can play. I think, I think, think on, on, on other people, and the fact that he's a hypocrite in all areas of his life. You know, he has this friend. That he's willing to just abandon. Yeah. You well, know? I got to make sure that if he makes it to the city and then somehow comes here, I've already ruined his reputation. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to ruin mine. But so. he'd be mad if the other guy did it. Oh, yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> all, looking out for number one is, yeah. is hypocrisy's main mm -hmm. game. And this is another thing that we all have in us. Mm. Some sense of hypocrisy, some sense of coming to church and putting on... I almost said putting on a mask, but that's hmm. too uh, controversial and timely right now. Uh, putting on the kind of mask that changes your appearance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, coming to church and presenting yourself in a different way than you present yourself in the rest of it. Certainly ministers do this. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. The question is, you know, are you just being respectful by, I mean, obviously the way that we talk to each other in hushed tones about holy things when we gather for the 
Holy Convocation on Sunday isn't always how we always talk to everybody. Hmm. You know, there are times when you're just talking about the game or what's going on at work or whatever. And the way that the preacher talks, I mean, I... I've, over the years, I've been preaching for more than 20 years, slowly become a guy who kind of shouts, hmm. not angry shouting, but yeah. just projecting shouting because I'm excited to be preaching the word. Yeah. I don't talk like that all the time, but yeah. it's, is that, <laughs> is that in you or is that something you're putting on? Right. I think is the real question. And for the average pilgrim, there's going to be times when we recognize this is something I'm putting on and I need to repent of that and say to God, if you really want me to have this disposition or this appearance or this heart or whatever, this way of speaking, give it to me for real, you know, put it in me because there's no value in contrivance based religion. There's no value in pharisaical. Look how big my phylactery is. Look how heavy my burden is. Look at me disfiguring my face because I'm fasting. Well, unless your treasures are here on earth. Yeah, right, there, right. there's there's temporal yeah. value, I guess. Yeah. There's not really that anymore either, though, much. Not in the culture. Yeah, You'll, well... You look down on for a lot of that. Yeah, I, I think I think depending on how far in some directions you're willing to go, maybe. Yeah, if um, you want to be the biggest uh, fish in a real little pond, you can find the pond where that will, will yeah, get you that well, status. That, sure. Formalist and hypocrisy wind up in two different places, even though they started out together. Hmm. Formalist is not going to make it to the city because he's going around in circles. Yeah. Hypocrisy is not going to make it to the city because he has turned back and he has gone no away. interest to. Yeah. yeah. And, and both of them, both of them seem kind of pleased with themselves when we leave them. That right. I think is interesting. Well, it's interesting that they were both wrong and how quickly they're willing to just snuff that out. You know, well, I'm going to go this way. Well, I'm going to go this way. And Christian's obviously the wrong way. You know, right, and they right never the acknowledge in their they mind that he was right. That he was right. It, it, it's it's that that gets plucked out and you know buried. You know what do you do with any information? You bury it down deep. You, you have it. You have it. You have it. <laughs> you have it. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you you bury it down deep, and then they just they just continue doing whatever you know, whatever they're going to do, and there is no panic. It's an odd thing that they'd even want to. Like, why even bother? Why even make hip, hypocrisy just to have the story yeah. and formalists and just formalists to go because along because it's what with, is done. Yeah. Right, right. Just go, to go along with it. But it's like someone why? who gets baptized yeah. at 10 because everyone in their family has and people are going to whack you on the back and probably give you a present or two mm. or somebody who's, you know, if you're hip, kind maybe of formalist maybe. and hypocrisy meet where maybe you're trying to make a fresh start hmm. and you don't really want to find Jesus, but you'll find some religion right. and that'll help. People will look on and, oh, well, that's nice. It's not a real pilgrimage, though. And so it's not a surprise to them or a disappointment when they realize right. we're never going to lay eyes on this city. But they'll make fun of Christian for the way that he's dressed mm-hmm. and, you know, the mark on his head. And, you know, look at this goof. Look at he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's you know, he's, he's talking this way. He's, you know, he's he's uh, he's dressed this way. And, and, and we know better than him. You know, and we'll you know. make fun of him until he points out some things that are uncomfortable. Then we just and fall we'll back. Leave. Forget this guy. Yeah, and then we leave. Uh, because we don't want to be challenged. Man. And I think it, we it's... all have that in ourselves as well. The, the, the willingness and the readiness to disengage when someone says something that cuts to the quick of, of who we are. But, but for the gospel to take root in that, I think, is so interesting with people that are, that are just, just, you know, water over rock. You know, just everything, everything just rolls right off of you. Nothing ever sticks. Even when you're proven that you're wrong, 
you'll forget it. It doesn't matter. I'm going to bury that somewhere or drop that somewhere. I'll just disengage with conversation with you. Uh, for the gospel to stick in that scenario is just, um, I mean, obviously, as it always says, nothing but a mercy and a grace and a miracle. for God, yeah. you know, but um, it it makes things coming later, like the Great Awakening, stick so much more with people that were at their core formalists. Mm-hmm. You know, just going about what you're supposed to be doing, and you should be here on this given day. So that's where you'll be. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get fined 10, 12 pence if right. I'm in England. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, well, in Jamestown, like you don't eat if you don't go to church, right. and you're not. You know, they figure if you're not uh, healthy enough to get to worship, you're not healthy enough to have any any food. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's that aspect. The social pressure is gone now, hmm. but there's still. I think there still will always remain a certain cachet. Hmm. To to finding a certain kind of religion, and right. honestly, we've talked before about how a lot of the churches that that their kind of communal besetting sin might be formalism huh. have become devoid of the gospel, right? Because the forms themselves are the point. Hmm. And then there are churches. I mean, good grief! Uh, there are I, I, I am friends with people on Facebook that go to a Missouri Synod Lutheran church right. that is in a strip mall. And you see it from the outside, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, that's so depressing." And then the pictures of the inside, yeah, it is. It's just like you, you know, Lutheraned up, Lutheraned up. There's a big, yeah. beautiful crucifix there, which yeah. I know a lot of people listening probably hate, but I love just because it's a reminder of what yeah. Jesus. It's front and center reminder of what Jesus did for us. Not a not a second commandment violation, but if you think it is, I don't want to argue with you. I don't care. Um, <laughs> and, and, and just like beauty and. All, everything, so intentionally pointing to Jesus. Mm-hmm. On the altar cover, we're getting new carpet in our sanctuary. You help pick it. Uh, and uh, we may have to get a new altar cover uh, because it's going to be too close to the color of the carpet. Right. And uh, I was thinking, man, we got to go to that uh, that Lutheran vibe where they have the five crosses on it uh, yeah. for the five wounds of Christ. You know, like like every Ooh. little every little thing pointing to Jesus. And it's beautiful and perfect and great until... You forget that it's supposed to be pointing to Jesus. Right. And the, the gospel part is assumed for a generation, mm. lost in the next generation, and we just keep on coming together because this is what we do. We tuck mm. and roll. We learn how to do that early. We get in on the, the road. We walk the road. We wear better clothes than those other pilgrims. <laughs> and we don't have to leave behind the worldly ways of thinking mm. or living or believing. Uh, we just kind of pop in, pop out, eh, whatever. Yeah. It's, that's a, a great danger to all, all of these things are, are warnings, I think, this week. Uh, and that kind of preaching, if you preach that that way for too long, will have diminishing returns. But I think Bunyan had put these things throughout the book here and there, and then Zach squeezed them all together. <laughs> maybe it was maybe it wasn't as clever as I thought it was. Uh, I thought but it was really good. All the same, listen, guys, do not let your faith become bitter, hardened put you into a cage of your own making you know the 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 word for forgive in the new testament a fie me the main word for forgive means at its core to let go to release hmm. and you don't just let the other person go and that you're you're letting them off the hook you also let yourself go you're out of out of this cage of your own anger and 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 bitterness don't linger after lust and and walk along the side of the the road closest to the wall so that you can kind of I know how to deal with those people. That's dangerous as well. Don't fall into hypocrisy and formalism. And it's easy to say all this stuff, but if you find yourself falling into it, I think Mm. the answer is flee, flee to Christ. Run back to the cross. 
no one has done that yet in this uh, book, and I don't think they ever do, that might be an interesting thing to include. Someone who looks like they're running back from from the city, but they're really just running back to the cross, just to, just to lay eyes again on on the cross and encounter Christ again. That's interesting. Uh, it, it probably would mess up the allegory. But. <laughs> anyway, until next time, stay on the narrow path. Thanks for listening. To support this program and for additional content and perks, visit patreon.com slash pilgrimsprogress. Make sure you don't miss a beat by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, and please take a moment to leave us an honest review. This recording, copyright 2022, high and silver, all rights reserved. Produced by Brad Atchison and Zachary Bartles. Theme music licensed from pond5.com. Scripture quotations are from the ESV Bible, the Holy Bible English Standard Version, copyright 2001 by Crossway, a publishing ministry of good news publishers, used by permission, all rights reserved. For more audio experiences of my fiction, visit www.zacharybartles.com audio. Hi, I'm Silva. Cut. Check. Press!